0: statement in Isaiah basically saying the world is falling apart, staring back at Israel saying judgment is turned away backward and justice stands afar off for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. What's a God to do? And he saw that there was no man and he wondered that there was no intercessor. An in intercessor basically means one who fills the gap. If you have a walled city and there is a hole in the walled city, there's just this little part that is like broken down. It's like a pile of rubble. And actually, you can sneak through it. You know There's a vulnerability in a time of war. If you have an enemy, what's an enemy looking for? The gate, to try and scale the gate. They're looking for breaches or holes in the wall. They're not stupid, they're not going to waste their time going through the front door when they can go through a side little broken down breach. So the enemy, by his very nature, is constantly watching the integrity of the wall. He's looking for holes. We have massive holes in our life that give the enemy access to do with our life what he sees fit to do. We can say, that's horrible, I'm a Christian. Yeah, you're a Christian with breaches. You are not supposed to be a Christian with breaches. One of the key definitions of Christianity could be a man or a woman whose walls are repaired, who is made strong, why? So that they are useful to God. and They're not just constantly inwardly fighting demons. They can be outward focused. God says to Israel, I will bless you so that you can become a blessing to the nations. God's pattern is to make you strong so that you're useful. There is a hedge that is supposed to be built up around your life, and it very likely isn't. You need a strong man. You need someone who can step in and fight off that enemy to make you strong so that you can start focusing outward instead of on your own issues. Most of us as Christians, the church is so weak because we have literally less than 1% of our time that is able to focus outward because we are so caught up in our issues and our difficulties. Even the healthiest among us, we have issues. We have difficulties, whether it's relational, whether it's financial, whether it's health, we have issues. And there's a dying world out there. You know that 150 estimated, 150,000 people died and went to hell today? Let's think about this. What did we all do about it? Did we take a step forward in beginning to do something about it? Or are we just stemming the tide from our life falling apart even more than it is? We are living on the defensive instead of the offensive. What we need is the same thing God was looking for back then. The walls are broken down. The city is in disrepair. Israel is is without a defender. Where's the intercessor? You know who Jesus Christ was? In a nutshell, he's the intercessor. intercessor. He's the man who stands in the gap. He's the strong man who came and took the full blow upon himself so that we could gather our wits spiritually and awaken and say, I'm in. Thank you for rescuing me. Literally, he took the blow Thing that was aimed right at you to absolutely decimate your life. He took it, square on. Without even a whimper, he took it. For the joy that was set before him, because he valued you so much. He took the blow. See, one of the things that happens with the life of Jesus, we have a tendency to make him a mousy character. We have a tendency to diminish his manly strength. We are talking about the greatest warrior of all time. In the Old Testament, the term is Lord of Hosts, the Captain of Captains, the General of Generals. And he's a general that led his troops into battle with his own life. He's the one that did it. All the rest of the army was powering in the background. They couldn't fight this army. And he stood up single-handedly and defeated them. That is our intercessor. That is our King. In the same way that he stood for you then, I want you to know, he still stands for you now. When you behold the cross and you behold the resurrected Christ and when you behold the ascended Christ who sits at the right hand of the Father you no longer will just remain where you are. You will say, God do it all within me for your glory make me strong make me strong to give God is looking for an intercessor someone who will make up this breach We need to become a body that is thinking about every single one around us, as opposed to ourselves. Coming to church going, I need to be prayed for this week. What about who can I pray for this week? Just a different mindset. It's not what this church can do for you, but what you can do for Jesus Christ and this church. Think of that attitude shift, saying, God, You made this life and you have called me for more than just to save me. You have rescued me so that I could become a rescuer. Who needs rescue? Who needs help? Who needs me to stand in the gap and take the hit? That's the attitude. It's not your skin and how you can save it. It's how you can spend it for his glory. His glory, for his glory.
1: You see, we have this mindset, even as Christians, as American Christians, that this world was made for us. We want it our way, and we want it yesterday. I mean, think about it. And I know we talk about this, and we hear some of this sometimes. But I mean, I want you to think about your own self. You say, Brandon, I, I try not to be that way. The last time you went to a fast food restaurant... Was it fast enough for you? I mean, they served you in eight and a half minutes. And you're like, could have been five. You see, we live in a culture where everything revolves around making us happy and doing it in a way that gets us to the next place we need to go because we're busy, we're important, we got things to do. And today, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ came For you, and that's true, but he came to redeem you, he came to save you, to rescue you, only to equip you so that you can go and be a rescuer. If you think that Jesus Christ came to make your life peaches and cream, and you're good now, then you are foolish and wrong. I tell you that because I love you. Because there is no such thing as a halfway Christian. Jesus Christ is looking to pour into you so much so that you cannot help but to spill out onto everyone around you. You say, Brandon, I wasn't cut out for leadership. I wasn't cut out for ministry. I don't know how to evangelize. I don't know how to do those things. Let me tell you something right now. Nobody does. Evangelism is not something that you necessarily learn how to do, but it is a product of someone that you know. You see, true evangelism is not a five step process by which you lead someone to know something about something. It is It is a position in life by which you are so filled that you cannot help but to evangelize those around you because it is who you are. Evangelism is not something that you do. Write this down. It's not in my notes, but it should be in yours. Evangelism is not something that you do, but it is someone that you are. Evangelism is not something that you do, but it is who you are. Don't you understand that as you live out of the overflow and the abundance of Jesus Christ in your life, you will quite naturally evangelize. Now that looks a a, a lot different and as different as you look from each other. One of you may evangelize with words, may, one of you may evangelize with your life or with service, one of you may evangelize in, in this way and another in this way. I, I'm, not, I'm not telling you how to do that necessarily. All I'm telling you is, is that if you are not moving, growing, maturing, and, and living and loving and, and, and pushing people towards Jesus Christ in some way, by your example at least, then you need to check your relationship with Jesus Christ. We are not called to to sit and watch from the sidelines. No, sir. No, sir. If you have been coming to this church or any other church for, for six months, a year, two years, five years, 20 years, and you've never gotten involved, and you come and you sit in the pew every Sunday and you never give back, there is a huge problem with that, and you are wrong. I'm just telling you the truth. Because I don't want you to, and I'm not telling you that you're wrong because, well, we're working. You should be working too. I'm not not saying that. All I'm saying is, you're wrong and you're in trouble. And there should be big blankers going, danger, 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 danger. Because if you can sit in the pew for 10 years and never get involved with your church, never get involved with mission projects, never get involved behind the scenes, never have an impact for Jesus Christ, there's a problem. Because the evidence of a relationship with Jesus Christ is that we move and that we love and that we give and that we love our brothers, that we keep his commandments. They're not burdensome, that we have an impact on those around us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and it goes on. This is the fruit of the Spirit. A tree will be known by the fruit that it bears if you are here or anywhere else and you do not have an impact for Jesus Christ in some way, then I don't know what kind of tree you are. We have made a declaration at the well. True for me and true for you. We will not be satisfied with just being comfortable. We will not be satisfied with just doing church. If that's too much for you, this place may be too much for you. Is that too straightforward? We are going to move in here. We are going to move, and we pray. We pray that you would come alongside of us and work. Not because Jesus really needs you and we really need you, but because you really need him. You really need him, and you need to get involved. And I'm telling you right now, if you are wondering why you've not experienced Jesus Christ in a way that everybody else around you may seem to be experiencing him, check how you're being used by him. Because until you experience that, it's hard to know him. Okay? That's just a disclaimer. Just an intro, let's get into the scripture. I want to pray before we do. I want to ask God to continue to move in this service like he's already been moving. I'm praying that you would not only see the call, not only answer the call, but that you would get on your face and that he would would work in you in such a way that the call would be popping off all around you. And that you would have an impact on others that they would see their call through you. That they would be equipped by you and through you to do what God has called them to do. I'm telling you that this is... It shouldn't be, but it's revolutionary. It shouldn't be, but it's revolutionary that there's no spectators in church. Church is not a spectator sport. There there should be nobody on the sidelines. Now, maybe there are a few unbelievers here. Maybe there are several unbelievers here. I'm not necessarily talking about you right now because, you know, you, you might not know, you know, who this Jesus even is, you know. I still say that you need to come and see us. Come and and see what God's doing. Come and see. You might not hear your call yet because you don't know the one that's calling. You don't have that name yet. I pray to God that he would reach out to you and that he would remove your heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh and that you would hear his voice and say, But to all of you who claim the name of Christ, you have no right to spectate. You see, just like we have become Consumers, American American culture and America is 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 filled and overwhelmed with consumerism. We want, we want, we want, we want, and everybody around you says, "Yeah, that's good, that's right." Ever, you know, you see the billboards, you know, this is what you need. You know, I, I walk down the aisles at the grocery store, and it's so funny because I'll be walking with my wife, you know, and my wife's in New York, so I might get a little crazy today because I don't have her. Y'all just y'all pray for me yeah 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 uh she's in New York and and I have I have sinned since she's been in New York i am telling you I got a bag of chocolate covered peanuts called Goobers beside my bed and I'm like watching TV drinking milk you know I'm like oh my gosh you know the kingdom of of heaven is uh calling my name to repent <laughs> you know because the kingdom of handles is in hand uh I I I I, I look at my wife, we walk through the grocery store, and, and, I'm, and I'm amazed. And, and once you see, once you understand this, and you, I know you already do, because you live in America, all you got to do is think about it for two seconds. And we walk down the aisles, and everything on the shelf is calling out your name. I, I am for you. I am for you. Oh, I am for you. You go to the, you go to the stores, the Sears, the mall, whatever, you, you know, they're, they're calling out, Oh, wouldn't you love to have me? I will make your life better you need me, consume me, I will, I will make you better, I will, I will be your God, is what i saying. And, and you go down through the aisles, and I, was, I, was, I can't remember exactly where we were, but I think we were at Bilo the other day, and I was walking down the aisles, and it was like some kind of a cereal box, some kind of crazy something that wasn't any good for you at all, and it had, you know, maybe it was, uh, I don't know, maybe it was uh, Tony the Tired, you know, but anyway, there was this, there was this really, Nice looking guy on there, and he was in swimming trunks, and he had like click, 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 click. You know, he had you know, abs like they won't quit, and it made me sick. But he was like, he had a football or a Frisbee or something, he was going back, and it was like this, you know, on a cereal box. And I told him, I was like, we need to get these frosted plates right here, because I want to look like that. I'm telling you, if I could just eat this box of, you know, it's all about you. What'll make you look good? What'll make you feel good? Christianity is not this way, guys. Jesus Christ did a, a work that you actually really need, but it was to equip you so that you could feel the needs in others. This is such a crucial part. Where's our intercessor? You saw in the video, where's our intercessor? There are so many breaches in our wall. And you've got to understand, you're the wall. You're the church. And we have so many who are so hungry and so needy that they can't turn and fill others' needs. I understand there's some storms in the room and some of you have legitimate needs. I'm not saying that needs are bad. I'm saying that if you have been in continual need for the past five years, going on there. There's something deeper. There's something deeper. You need to be built up in Jesus Christ so that you no longer need like that, but that you can pour out to others that have needs so that they could be full So that they could pour out to others that have need. Let's get into the scripture. We're in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 16. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 16. The the, the title of today's message is Your Call is Jesus' Vision. Your Call is Jesus' Vision. And we we looked at Jesus' call last week. We're going to look at your call this week. Listen to verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of fullness, of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, Let's break these verses down a little bit before we do. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would bless the reading and the hearing of your word. God, I pray that you would come and and like like the master that you are that you would that you would do a work in us that we can hear exactly what you would want us to hear, but that what we don't need to hear that you would cast away. God, I pray that you would protect the words and the sermon, that they would be exactly your words and what you would have your people to hear. I pray that you would protect their ears and their hearts to receive exactly what they need to receive. I pray that walls would be torn down and that you would be able to see clearly where they need to be changed, and that they would be able to see clearly where they need to be changed as well. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And I want to talk to you today about your call being Jesus' vision. And that that looks like in these verses, the the analogy or the parallel is a body. Okay? And not just anything about a body, but the growth of a body. Okay? I want you to think about yourself and, and where you stand in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to think about yourself and where you stand in your pattern of growth. Are you in the same place that you were a week ago? Are you in the same place that you were two months ago or two years ago? And this is a legitimate question. Please don't think I'm I'm talking about the person beside you. Look at the person beside you and say, he's not talking about me. He's talking about you. All right, now look at the person beside you and say, I was wrong. He's talking about me. I'm talking to you guys, and I'm talking to you because I want you to understand that you need to do business with God. This is not just some sermon. I don't need to waste my breath. It's not just something that we get up and we do every Sunday. That I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. I can hear my words just as well. We have an opportunity today to assess where we are and how we've grown and to see if there's a problem. And if there's a problem if we're not growing then we've got to wonder are we eating our Wheaties? Is our six-pack coming into focus? Because the frosted flakes are entering the gut. We got to understand that in order to grow, we've got to take Christ in. In order to grow, we've got to take steps. We've got to train. We've got to experience him so that we can see him so that we can move in ways that we've never moved before. Are you growing? The first part of this sermon I want to share with you is continual growth is vital to you and us. Continual growth is vital for you and for us. The us being this church. You see, we are all the sum of our parts. We we are all dependent on each other. We're dependent on Jesus Christ who is the head, but we are dependent on one another. And, and if you are a, are a finger, if you are an eye, if you are a hand, and you refuse to do what hands do, then we are lacking. You see what I'm saying? We are lacking. There's a lot of feet in here that refuse to walk. You just want to go to the house and sit. And idle feet get nothing done. You see, we are all part of the body of Christ, and when we work together, there at the end of the verses, it's giving skipping a little head, but listen to what it says. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. You see, we don't, we don't understand that, that it's just as much your job, if not more, to build this church up than it is mine. You say, preacher, that's your job. You're the one that preaches the message. You're the one that does that. You're the one that meets the needs. You're the one that's called by God. Now I, no, sir. Uh-uh. It's your job. Did you hear me? Your job is to build the church. Your job is to do the work of the ministry. Your job is to build up the body. My job is to help you know how to do your job. you got to decide whether or not you're going to do your job. This is not on my shoulders. Hey, when I, get, when I stand before my God, God will say, what did you do with the gifts I gave you? What did you do with the call I gave you? What did you do with the king I sent to empower the work that I've given you to do? You will stand before God in the same way. And you will give an answer. What did you do with your call? Did you just sit and soak it all in but never pour it back out did you did you soak up the resources but never give back did you look and say oh that's a good thing they're doing over there I just nailed somebody right in the throat I'll send I'll send 10 bucks see it's not about the money cuz I'm telling you I would rather have you here working And being filled up by Jesus and coming into your call. Than just giving 20 and saying, that'll help somebody. I got to go now. Keep your money and get your tail in gear. Can I say that in church? Get to work. Hey, this is not my job. I'm telling you, it's not my job to make sure that everybody's needs. It don't work that way. I can't do that. But I'm trying to pour into our leaders, that they would pour into our volunteers, that they would pour into our congregation, that the congregation would pour into the world. You see, we're reaching, we reach in so many better ways when we're all doing our job. Continual growth is vital to you and to us. You see, we're not, we're not all called and gifted in the same ways. We are not all called and gifted in the same ways. Listen to what he says in the scripture. He says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints. So you see, we have really, we have a, we have a broad spectrum of gifts. Okay? And these are, not, these are not naming all of them by any means. Okay? These are just naming some of the leadership gifts and some of the leadership positions that they need to then pour into the saints. So you have the leaders and then you have the saints. Now let me go ahead and tell you that we're not all gifted and called in the same way. You say, well I'm not called to do what you do, preacher. I'm not, I can't get up on the stage. Okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. It says he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds, some to be teachers. So there are distinguishing factors. Sure. Maybe you, maybe you would just die if you had to get up here. You know, maybe you would, like, throw up right on stage. I understand that. I wasn't always comfortable speaking in front of a crowd, and I still get nervous from time to time. I'm not going to lie. But this is what God's called me to do. And as a matter of fact, I could not do this. Like, literally, I can't not do this. Like, if you take me off of here, I'm going to do this somewhere else. Ask the guys that work for me. When I drive a work truck, I have captive audience they're always driving a different work truck if we have a trip to Lake Kiwi to do a tree job I got an hour and a half sermon planned and it is geared for your life <laughs> I can't not do this you see you should be you should be where God has called you so that you can't not do it see that's how it's a blessing and not a burden you need to ask yourself what is it that I just can't do That I can't do without for Jesus What is it that I find myself doing all the time And it's not work for me at all As a matter of fact if you made me not do it I would just, I would go crazy That's your call Sadly some of us Have never gotten close enough to Jesus Christ To figure out what that is Or we've never paired the two you see, he gave some to be prophets, some to be apostles, some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds, and some to be teachers. We're not all gifted the same. And let me go ahead and tell you this, is that no, no gifting set is more important than another. We talked about this just a little bit a second ago. Whereas I might be in leadership, I might be the, the lead pastor at this church, and I might be trying to, to lead this team, what difference does that make if there's nobody that's being led? that's that's stupid. You know, I could get up here, if there was nobody in the room, I could, and nobody, that's what it would be, because it's not anything. It's just a guy looking really stupid. But but if you would hear from me, okay, what God is calling you to do, and if you would receive that equipping, and we're going to talk about that, that's a pretty cool word. When you look at that in the original, I, I never knew that about that word. I've not dug that deep into this particular passage but we'll look about that in a second but but if you will hear from god okay god's called me to pour into you okay god's called me to pour into you in particular i've got a, a smaller team it's just like what jesus did jesus was called to what save the world okay granted good enough he did that awesome how did he do that he gave himself up okay but how is he going to get that message out what did he do he went and got how many As a matter of fact, he got more than that. Remember? He got a big bunch. Then he had 72. Then he had 12. Then he had three. Then he had one. You're not called to save the world by going out and just, you know, just walking to the grocery store as fast as you can. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you too. Jesus loves you too. That's stupid. They would be like, who are you? (laughs) And what are you doing? He is high on crack talking about Jesus. No. What we do is, is that we build relationships with several people, and we live our life in front of them so that they can see Jesus, but then we've got a closer group of people who we pour into, we love, and, and we, we lead them gently. We are led by them. This is a, this is a group that, that we, we, we are honest with them. We share our hurts and our pains with them, and then there's that one. If you're married... It should very likely be your spouse. Now I know that sometimes you need to have a a good friend, but you need to make sure that your spouse is is that one, okay? Is that one. Now, sometimes there's just things that a spouse don't understand. So you might need to talk to a really good friend, a good Christian friend who is mature that can speak with that with you, but your wife, your husband, needs to know that you've got this same sex friend, okay? Wives don't be like, well, this is my prayer partner. No. (laughs) Uh uh. Okay? Same-sex Christian accountability partner that you can talk to, but your wife or your husband, they know about that, and they understand that, okay? But you need to have someone that you're pouring into. And the reason I say all of this is this. Relationships. Relationships. It says we speak the truth in love. It says there at the end when each part is working properly that the, the, the body of Christ builds itself up in love. It's the relationships. You see, we're all continually, continually to be growing. It's vital to you and it's vital to us. If you've got your spiritual gift test here, we're, we're only going to look at this for just a second. If you don't have it, that's fine. You can look at this and remember what it's like when you get home. On this one, it doesn't have quite as many spiritual gifts as some of them that I've seen. But you'll look, it says, and I'll read it to you. It says the spiritual gifts here that it lists is leadership, administration, teaching, knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, Discernment, uh, exhortation, shepherding, faith, evangelism, apostleship, service and helps, mercy, giving, and hospitality. Now, I hope that you went home and you took this test. And if you got it today, that's cool. If you don't, I hope that you did take it. If you didn't take it, go home and take this. Because it will really help you to understand, at least to start to understand, how God has equipped you. And it might be that you look at this and you read this and you say... I have the gift of discernment and exhortation. That makes sense. That makes sense because I really like doing fill in the blank. You see, if you've got the gift of discernment, it means that you can really read people well. You can tell when someone's hurting. You can tell when someone's in pain. You can tell when someone's excited about God. You have the gift to discern where they are. You have the gift to discern truth. You have the gift to discern whether somebody is up front with you or you can see past their facade. This makes it easy for you to counsel with people, to love on people, to see through their lives so that you can help them, not in a condemning way, but in a compassionate way. You see, we're gifted in all different kinds of ways. And a lot of the gifts, okay, I'll go ahead and share mine with you, is that now I'm a pastor everybody thinks, oh, that guy right there, he's got it all together. Nah. Look, I, I, my, gift, my gifting is, uh, my top ones were uh, knowledge and prophecy and evangelism and teaching, okay? My worst ones were discernment and exhortation and mercy, So I'm going I'm to put this out there And I don't know if you understand this or not A lot of people, especially in the Bible Belt Will not get this and they won't like it You're probably If you go to the hospital You're probably not going to get a visit from me I love you But that's not my gift Okay It's really not It's really hard for me Some people love it If you go to the hospital Let's just do it this way who are you probably going to see? See, you know. You know. Yeah, let's. you know, my gift is not mercy. I have a really hard time. Matter of fact, I remember years ago, I think I've told this story. I sat down with a guy and he was broken. Broken hearted, crying. Brandon, what do I do? My girlfriend, my fiancee, left me. And I don't know what to do. And I said, well, tell me what's going on, man. Well, we had this problem, this problem, and this is what I did. This is what she did. And I said, oh, here's the problem. Look, look at this. I mean, this is the sin. Look at the sin you got in your life, brother. And you got, I mean, she's really got some stuff to work on, you know. And he's looking at me like, I just needed a hug. <laughs> I'm like, get your act together, man. You just hit yourself in a hammer, you just hit yourself with a hammer and going, my hand hurts. You know, I don't have that gift. Just, I'm working on it. Now, let me tell you, that's, that's not to say that I don't need to work on that. And I do go to the hospital. I've come to the hospital to visit some of you in here. I have. That was hard for me. That was really hard for me. I mean, it really was. You know, I'm walking in going, God, what do I say? You know? Repent! <laughs> you know that? <laughs> I mean, what do you say? I, I'm a preacher. I'm a teacher. I, I like to dig into the Bible. I like to tell people to get their acts together because you're acting stupid. You know what I'm saying? You can't tell that to somebody who's sick. <laughs> They'll get sicker. It doesn't, it doesn't work. And so I'll go ahead and tell you that. Discernment. Discernment is not my gift. And you can ask my wife. I overtrust all the time. I, if you don't have the gift of discernment, you're getting burned all the time. <laughs> I'm like, man, I didn't see that coming. Now, my wife, she has the gift of discernment. And I promise you, it has. This, hey, listen, this is not a joke. This is not a game. I know that it's, what I was just saying was funny, but I'm telling you right now, this is no joke. I've seen it over the years, time after time after time after time. I would say, nah, he's good. He's great. I did it at work. We've done it in church. We've done it in our personal lives. And the whole time, Hell's going, I don't know. I don't know, there's something about her There's something about her And I, and I will get, and, and I'm, I want to trust No, they're good I can help them, I can lead them I can show them Jesus And she's like, no. Nope. No. Nope. And I've gotten burned time after time after time Thank God, Heather, well, time or two She's been like, I told you so <laughs> And I'm like, don't do that That hurts my feelings but I understand because I don't have the gift of mercy. But I don't have great discernment. But Wesley does. Wesley's got a great, a great gift of discernment. You see, Mark, he is not merciful at all. If you know Mark, then you know he is rough as a cob. I'm just telling you. Mark was sent here to, he, he jokes about it and says, I was sent to the world well to keep Brandon humble. No, he really was. All the time, he's telling me. Man, remember, you're not that good. <laughs> Thanks, brother. I love you so much. No, but for real, that's his gift. I, it's how we're gifted. And this is just some of them. I can go ahead and go down the line. I don't have the time. Look at this and pay attention. This is not a catch-all, and there will be, there'll be mistakes on here, but it will help you to get a good start. And what it will help you to do, if nothing else, is to understand that you Personally, I wish I could take the time to look at every one of you in the eye, and I'm talking to you. Actually, I was was really actually talking to you. You actually have gifts that God has given you, personally, you and you. You have a gift that if you would exercise your gift, that if you would see Jesus Christ and that you would feel him, get close to him, let him shape and mold and whittle you into what he has called you to and sharpen your sword and to sharpen your gift, you can make a huge impact for Jesus Christ. You are expected to make a huge impact for Jesus Christ. You see, we are all gifted differently and we are all expected to use our gifts to build up the body. We are all called to help each other grow up into our call. We are all called to help each other grow up into our call. Listen to what it says. It says, "And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. You see, it's not always easy. It's not. It is already 11:59. What in the? It's not always easy to do what God has called you to do in the time that He's given you to do it. So y'all better hold on a minute. I'm not even. This is ridiculous. Okay. All right. What was I saying? Squirrel! All right. We're all called to help each other grow up. We might have to do one more of these next week. We're all called to help each other grow up into our call. Let me let me give you a little example of this. It's not always easy to do what God has called you to do because a lot of the times God has called you to work with people who are far less mature than you are, who do stupid stuff. but they need you in their lives so that they can get past the dumb part, the messy part, the dirty part, the needy part, so that they can get to a place where they can then clean up after somebody else. It's like the one good thing about it. You know, I'm helping you right now, but you're going to help somebody later. You know what I'm saying? You're going to get it back. I'll give you this example. My kids, you know, I use them all the time. Well, you are, you know, the reason why is that there are so many parallels, and you are to be a spiritual father to the people around you, a spiritual mother to the people around you. You are called by God, I don't know if you realize this, but you are called by God to help the person beside you grow up into who God's called them to be. Look at the person beside you. Say, oh man, Ew. You are called to help them grow up. Now, that might mean that that you uh, reach into the darkness and you help them to come out of the darkness. They might not even know Jesus yet. But it might mean that you have to get your hands really, really, really dirty. It might mean that it's just disgusting at times because you don't understand how that could possibly happen. You see, my wife has gone to New York City, and I don't know if she planned this or if it was just God laughing at me. But Asher has had the worst case of diarrhea I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> hey, that's my mama. She is here. In two days, he blew out, not diapers, ten outfits. And you try to pick a ten-month-old up who has blown it everywhere and try not to get it on you. But you still gotta get his clothes off, you know. By about the, the eighth one, I was just like, "Ah, oh. <laughs> wash my hands in a minute," <sighs> you know. And it's I literally Wesley comes. He's like, "Is there anything I can help you with, brother?" I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> absolutely." And I tell you how loving he is. He's like, "Heck no, <laughs> no" was in all caps. <laughs> this guy really loves me. <laughs> <laughs> He said, "That's not his gift. Whose gift is changing diapers? Come on, that's silly. Sometimes, and that's a good point because sometimes you have to come outside of your gifting, right? Sometimes it's gonna. Sometimes it is going to mean that you don't love doing what you do. You think I love getting poop all over my hands? No, but I got to. I got to. I don't want to leave a minute. Mama be home in four days. <laughs> you know, I mean, what am I can't do that." I got to get my hands all in the poop. I've said poop like four or five, six times. Y'all got to get the point. Sometimes it's really disgusting. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it's really nasty to get involved with people who are really, really, really needy. But if I don't do that, he dies. My little baby boy. Do you love the person beside you? Do you love them? Are you called to, to be Jesus to them? Will you sacrifice? We are going to split this into two sermons, and I'll, I'll finish this up next week, but that's okay. I'll finish this up with, with this first point right here because I think that we needed this because you got to understand that it's not about you, okay? It's not, it's not about you always doing things the way that you think that they should be done. You know, that what we did was a little outside the box with the prayer, but we felt God saying, look, we need to bathe this thing in prayer. I need to look, okay? It's not going to be easy for me. I told Wesley before we ever prayed and sung the prayer. I don't know if you know, but that was improv. God was giving him those words to sing. I was praying. I felt God was leading me to pray for you. And what God is calling me to do is lead you to places where you're too scared to go. Is that going to be easy? Absolutely not. You're going to be like, no, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. You know, Titus is actually, you know, I'm, I'm training this. I should get the best husband in the world award after this week. Because I have got three. But praise God for Tweet. Used her gifts and came, got two of mine last night. And I was like, are y'all sure y'all want to go? You know, are you sure? Are you sure? The whole time I was thinking, please, God be sure. <laughs> and when they walked out the door and the door closed, and I was looking to see if they got far enough away, I said hallelujah (laughs) but Titus you know I'm trying to help him to grow up into the person that he wants to be but he don't want to do all that is going to be required of him as a man he'll even change a pee pee diaper and feels good about himself when it comes to a boop boop diaper I can't do that I'm only six But it's my job to, now I'm not going back, okay, don't email me. I'm not making my six-year-old change the dirty diapers, okay? I was just kidding about that. But my job is to lead him into places that he don't want to go. Because I see from where God has placed me, I see where he needs to go in order to be who God's called him to be, right? And so what I've got to do is I've got to push him. I hope that you receive the push. I hope that instead of pushing back, I hope that you actually move forward. I need for you to take a step, not because I need you in the church, not because I need you to do this or I need you to do that, but because I want to see you grow up. I want to see you to grow into the mature man that these verses are talking about. I want to see you be who God's called you to be, to be a full-grown man, to be a full-grown woman, to be able to use the gifts of God. You see what it says here, and this is the last. I want to share that word with you. I was telling it was pretty cool. Listen to what it says. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, this is the word right here, to equip. That's actually one word in the Greek, but to equip. You know what that word means? It means to, it does mean what it says, but there's so many more connotations to it. It means, that word to equip means, it means to set right, to, to, to put into place. And literally, if you go on deeper, it means it's the same language that, that, that's, that's used to say to set the bone. The picture is steady with the body. And there's a lot of you in here who you're an arm, but the arm is broken. You're a finger, but the finger's broken. How easy is it to use a broken arm? Any of you have any broken bones before? How easy is it to walk on a broken ankle? How easy is it to grab your spoon and eat with a broken wrist? Your mouth's trying to do things it wasn't designed to do. Your body suffers. And so literally what my job is and what the other leader's jobs is and what some of your jobs is, is to set the bone. Ooh. You know how bad it hurts to set a bone? I'm, not, I'm sure you've seen the movies, which I'm sure can't do it justice. When they come in and they have to literally break that bone back into place, that's painful sometimes. But it's what these verses are talking about, and you guys can come on out and start playing. We're about to wrap it all up. It, the last point is, grow all, growth always requires pain. Growth always requires pain. You see, he gave some to be prophets, evangelists, and so on to equip the saints for the work of ministry. We'll get into the work of ministry and to the building up of the body of Christ next week, and we'll finish up next week. But he gave those to equip the saints, to equip the saints. You see, it is my job, as hard as it may be for you to understand, as hard as it may be for you to do what God is calling you to do through your leaders, To get you to a place where you can actually be useful to the body. It's not my job to go out and evangelize the world. At least not not no more than it is yours. It is our job to go out there and talk to the world. But I am called to help you to see where God has called you to be. And if you're not seeing it, then i got to wonder what I'm doing. I need you today. and, And this is what I would like. And I want you to be honest. How many of you understand that you are called? There's a few of you in here, you're still struggling with whether or not you're even called yet. I'm praying with everything in me that you would understand that if you would only answer your call, if you would only answer your call, you would be filled up full and you would make a difference in the world. But until you do that, you will be lacking and we will be lacking continual growth is vital to you and to us as we all stand to our feet and as we think about what Jesus Christ has done to make all of this possible I want you to think about this we've talked a lot about about doing what God has gifted us to do and doing our part to make sure that others can come into what God has called them to do. About setting the bone so that our arm could be useful again. And about, about growing up into the call that God has called us to. Now look, a lot of you have gifts that I don't have. A lot of you can do things that I can't do. A lot of you can go places and will go places that I just will never go. Because I don't have the opportunity or because I don't have the call. But you do. Will you go where I cannot? Will you go where she cannot? Will you go where he cannot? It's up to you. This is a very simple question. Those of you who did not raise your hands when I asked if you understood you had a call, just know you are called. You are called to go. And if you do not go, it's because you're saying, I will not go. And that's not okay. And that might hurt, but I'm willing to set the ball. If God is calling you to go and you will not go, you are disobeying the King of Kings. That's as straight as I can tell it. Why would you disobey? Why would you not be glad to go? Is there an inward struggle? Have Have you really come to know Him? Because it says, if you know me, you'll keep my commandments, and my commandments won't be burdensome. Search your heart today. Stir your heart today. The invitation today is going to be a little bit different because the reason it hurts to set the bone and what setting the bone means in this context is that we've got to jerk you out of the alignment that you've been into and back into line with reality, back in line with Jesus Christ and what. Many of us have been walking in, is a it's all about me mentality. It's all about me, it's all about what I want. It's all about what feels good to me. It's all about what will get me through the next day. It's all about what You can do for me, not what I can do for you, But what You can do for me. And You even brought that into this service. And You came into this service saying, What are they going to give to me today? What are they gonna do for me today? How are they going to feed me today? What are they going to do for me today? Am I gonna like it today? I don't know if I like that worship song today. Let me ask you, what did you give to God today? How did you pray for the people around you today? How did you stop worrying about yourself and start worrying about everybody else around you today? I wanna make two calls this morning to the altar. And do not hesitate with God. You do what God is calling you to do. Number one is, I want to know, who needs to repent because they've thought too highly of themselves or too much about themselves lately? You can come down. Who needs to repent that they have been too much about themselves lately? I see one brave soul willing to admit, and a whole bunch of others that are scared to do it. Who will admit that they've thought too much about themselves lately? The altar is open for prayer and repentance. It's okay, I'll be down here in just a second. I'm a me guy a lot. The altar is open. How many of you put off the needs of others because you're too concerned with your own needs? How many of you put off Jesus Christ because you're worried that he won't give you what you need? Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Now, the second part of this is who is willing to come and lift up to God those around you? Those around you that are in need, those around you who have needs that, that far outweigh anything that you have. Who is willing today to be an intercessor, to go before God for someone else, to go before God for a need that you know? someone else has to cry out to God for someone that is close to you someone that has just come to your mind right now we need intercessors in the church we need someone willing to stand in the gap we need someone willing to look crazy for Christ we need someone that's willing to say I will get on my face for you since you will not get on your face for Jesus As we do this last song, those of you who are still out there, I will pray for you. I will pray for you. And what I ask you to do is pray for all of these down here and pray for the ones around you. You don't have to come to the altar to do business. And it's not a bad thing that you don't come down. But pray where you are, do business where you are, and lift your voice to God that He would minister to the needs of those around you and that he would use you to meet their needs. Let's cry out to God together.